Ahoy there, me hearties, <laughs> and welcome to another episode of That Time When, which be the comedy history podcast about strange things in history. I be your pirate captain, Barnaby King, and joining me is my first mate, Amelia Edwards. Yahar! Hi. Hello. Are you going to start the podcast that way? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, fine. Because, <laughs> yeah. as you might expect... I have been thinking about pirates recently. Of course you have. Yes. Everything in the news is pointing us towards pirates right now. Well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> kind of. I mean, the, the government seems to basically be prepared to go to war over fisheries, so... That's very true. Yeah, well, hey But hi. are they prepared to go to war over doubloons? Who isn't prepared to go for war over doubloons? I think that should be uh, Rishi Sunak's new... <laughs> Uh, economic policy absolutely since he's now oh, he, oh he's, he's really in it at the moment isn't he oh we turned into a political podcast let's back no. away from that we'll, what happened in the past we'll turn about port side and we'll, <laughs> we'll sail away for some buried treasure okay so so i've been thinking as i said i've been thinking a lot about pirates recently i think it's for a number of reasons firstly pirates are just kind of cool mm-hmm. also i kind of feel like it might be the reason why I sort of really like the Vikings is because I like that sort of like sea raider thing. Okay. I like boats, I like ships, I like the sea. I mean... True. That's that's basically what the Vikings are all about. So. <laughs> <laughs> They're about using the sea and then settling down. Well, yes, yes. But the uh, nice thing about pirates is they rarely settle. Mm, yes, absolutely true. So I wanted today to talk about one of the most successful pirates in history. Blackbeard! No, no. Francis Drake. No, no, he was a privateer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the Spanish thought he was a pirate. Well, yes, that's true. Um, No, neither of those. Uh, Wrong wrong nationality, wrong sex even. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about Madame Jung. French then. No. (laughs) (laughs) She probably had the title of Madame possibly because of brothel madam but oh well okay oh saucy well a a little bit a little bit but to be honest that's the least interesting thing about madame jung to be honest nice all right so she was born uh to the name ji yang okay uh in china in 1775 she was born in a southern province called guangdong Mm -hmm. and to be honest we don't really know much about her for about 26 years Okay. Because she wasn't really born to be the sort of person that, you know, history would be written about. Um, she wasn't into, like, in any big family. Mm-hmm. She wasn't, there wasn't, like, any great relatives who did something amazing or anything like that. No, she was just kind of there. I'm going to ask you a quick question, and I'm aware it might be annoying. Yeah? How do we know when she was born? Uh, well, I think people just asked her her birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know exactly. Okay. Um, I, I suspect this is just the year that she gave. Cool. Or cool. that we can work it out <laughs> as, because uh, they used a different calendar at that point. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, so. she said she was 26, but really, she was 42. <laughs> <laughs> well, if she would, then, spoiler alert, she would have lived to quite a ripe old age then at that point. Fair enough. Um, So, like I said, not much is known about her early life, but what we do know is that she ended up working on a floating brothel. I mean, 
That just sounds like one of those kind of like Amsterdam bachelor party type things. <laughs> like the latest thing to try and make it a little bit cooler. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So the floating brothels, they're also known as flower boats. And they are, oh. I know, it's adorable. <laughs> I did read something and I, uh, they were also referred to as loblob boats. Don't I mean, I love getting down for some loblob. <laughs> I don't know about you. Yeah, so... The floating brothels were semi-official. They were kind of... They weren't encouraged by the government, but they were known about, and they were taxed. Oh, cool. Um, which is probably one of the reasons why the Qing dynasty, who were in power at the time, uh, were one of the richest... Uh, <laughs> and had like and particularly around this point were right. at the height of their riches. Entirely down to taxing the flower boats. Well, I just think that, you know... If they're prepared to tax that rather than just get rid of it, I it, mean, it probably says something about their general mentality. Sure, sure. <laughs> I'm just really taken aback by the fact that it's a floating brothel. Yeah, so the area where um, Madame Zheng, or as I should say, Ji Yang, was living at the time uh, was a region known as Guangzhou. Mm-hmm. It was an area of fishermen and merchant ships and a lot of activity going along the Pearl River. Okay. So it kind of makes sense that, you know, you can kind of set up this sort of canal boat, a sort mm-hmm. of like a two-story canal boat, a mixture of a houseboat and a barge. Yeah. And if you've got rooms going, oh, you can sure. set up a little brothel. Absolutely. It's just reminding me, this is such a Norwich thing, but there used to be a restaurant in Norwich called Tie on the River. Oh my God, I remember Tie on the River. Which was really good. It was but good. like its whole deal was that it was a Thai restaurant yeah. on a canal barge. Yeah. And all I can think of is that when you're talking <laughs> about these like... Oh no. Chinese flower brothel things. So we don't know exactly if Ji Yang was uh, a sex worker on mm-hmm. these floating brothels, or she might have been a madam, which may have sort of led to her name later on. Sure. Uh, when she was called Madame Zheng. There is, it definitely seems like she had, she was involved, definitely, because she was known as a woman who had a lot of political power. Ooh. Because she collated information from various polit- uh, political officials. Right. who stayed at the floating brothels and maybe engaged in a little bit of pillow talk. Great. And she had a head for information. Right, okay. And she could keep it all together and she could work it out. She had a very analytical mind, which is very important for later on. But it's also kind of awesome if you're like a sex worker who's using this oh, yeah, like information to gain political power. Absolutely. Like it- she, she knew where the bodies were buried mm-hmm. and she was... Not going to hesitate to use that. It reminds me of this like propaganda poster I had to study back in GCSE history. Yeah. Which was like, I think it was World War Two era. And it was one of those loose links, loose lips sink ships kind of things. Yes. And there are these like three guys, one of them's a pilot, one's in the Navy and one's in the army. And they're like <laughs> round this sexy lady. And it's like, oh no, she might be a spy. <laughs> But, like, apparently people genuinely did this kind of thing, so maybe there was a point to having that propaganda poster. Mm. I mean, I imagine so. We we talked um, back, going back a few episodes now, when I did the episode on Agent 355, Mm. uh, there was the possibility that she had seduced someone for that very reason. That's true. So I don't think this is, by any means, a new idea. (laughs) Um, Well, particularly not, because I'm talking about the uh, late 1700s. But anyway... 
Like I said, Guangzhou, south of China, very uh, dependent on the sea for various forms of, of work and commerce. Sure. And one of those was that the fishermen, basically, they had off-seasons. Okay. When the fish that they generally caught just weren't in the area. Right. But, you know, they've still got to make a living. So a lot of them would essentially retrofit their fishing ships and turn them into little pirate ships. Oh, I know, adorable. That sounds adorable. Yeah. Piracy was quite common on the seas at that time, and particularly because the uh, Qing dynasty mm-hmm. was, even though they had like these, they were very rich, had these great big ambitious plans, Yeah, but they didn't really seem to think that having a strong navy was really important. Great. So the pirates could kind of come and go as they please, which is why this was quite common practices for people to just have the off-season of fishing <laughs> turned to a bit of piracy because, you know, it's pretty safe. <laughs> it doesn't sound like they were super successful, though, if they were still like, oh, well, we're going to do piracy, but only when we can't do fishing. Yeah, so these were very small operations. These were probably families, maybe like a few groups at the very most. But sure. There wasn't really much sort of going on there. Okay. Until... A few, uh, a few pirate captains got together and started building larger fleets. Nice. And they recruited more and more people. And they actually became privateers for the Vietnamese government. Okay. So Vietnam at the time had undergone a civil war mm-hmm. and it had a completely new form of government. The Tay Son had taken control, but they were... These were the people who had just won a civil war, okay. but they were still fighting the remnants of their, the old government, yeah. essentially. So they hired these uh, Chinese pirates uh, to act as privateers, to sort of harry ships, stop people getting ar- moving around freely. Just, you know, just pirate thing. Hashtag just pirate things. Oh my God, hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't choose the pirate life. The pirate <laughs> life chose me. <laughs> So this was pretty profitable for a while and kind of kept the larger pirate crews out of the Chinese seas. Great. But unfortunately, around 1801, that government collapsed. Great. Okay. And (laughs) suddenly, you know, you have a lot of these pirates who were working for the Tay Son Mm -hmm. who are now no longer welcome in Vietnamese waters. Absolutely. But they're used to a bit more of a profitable pirate lifestyle. Mm, Not that part-time fishing lifestyle. No. They go back to the Chinese Sea. Right. And they start having basically turf wars. Great. Because they realise that there ain't room enough for all of us in here. Yeah. So the fleets start having a few scraps. What a shame. Oh no! Yeah. Don't you hate it when pirates fight pirates? I know, it's it's just so sad. So tragic. Why can't we all just get along? Yahar. Yahar. <laughs> so one of the uh, captains of these fleets uh, was a man by the name of Zheng Yi. Mm-hmm. Sounds hot. Oh yeah. Uh, also possibly gay. Ooh. Yeah, so uh, Zheng Yi had this, this guy who would become his adopted son. Right. Who was... <laughs> By the name of Zhong Po. Okay. And there is this supposition. I don't know if it's true. I have a feeling like the relationship is interesting. Okay. Because he seems very devoted to this boy he kidnapped, essentially. <laughs> Great. At the age of 15. Mm. And does eventually actually make him his heir. Right. 
We'll talk a little bit more about him later on. He becomes a bit more relevant later on. But okay. It, it may be. If, if, we, if there is the possibility that Zheng Yi was actually gay, that's actually quite interesting because what happens is Zheng Yi, wandering around, uh, visits the Guangzhou district. Sure. And sees Ji Yang. Okay. Now, and he's like, oh, maybe I'm not that gay after <laughs> well, all. So there, are, some of the stories are like, he was struck by her beauty and he asked her to marry him immediately. And there are other stories which are a bit more mm, calculating, <laughs> where he basically went, that's a woman with a lot of political know-how yeah. and a good head for information, administration and everything like that. Yeah. She'll be someone who will be good to have on my team. Okay. And to be honest, it sounds a bit more like that because bearing in mind this is 1801, mm-hmm. she only agrees to marry him if they have a binding legal agreement that entitles her to 50% of everything he has. Oh my God. Okay, so I love her right now. Yes. Um, that's amazing. I love the idea of having a pirate prenup. Yes. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> Yar, the pirate yeah. prenup. I just could that. Oh, is pirate prenup someone? <laughs> uh, pirate prenup is the name of my indie band. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want an actual pirate prenup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Before we get hitched, there's a few <laughs> things we have to sort out. One, I get the parrot. <laughs> yeah. Two, fifty percent of all the doubloons that we. <laughs> <laughs> that we take from the Spanish dogs. <laughs> Three, that handsome cabin boy. He's mine too. Yeah, but you can't have the handsome cabin boy because you've always got already got Zheng Po and honestly, that's still quite dodgy. Same person. <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway. <laughs> so, to me, that doesn't really speak of a relationship that's, you know, built on passion, given the era. Yeah. Like, obviously, it makes a lot of sense now in many places for, like, even if you've got a passionate relationship, you still need to sort of mm-hmm. watch out for yourself or anything like that. I think for this era, it kind of signals this as more of a calculated move. Possibly even that Zhi Yang is essentially Zheng Yi's beard. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Mm. I will also say, though, I think that um, people in the 1800s are maybe a little bit more calculating than you think, even when they're being passionate. Okay. So, like, granted, I don't know much about Chinese history on this point. Yeah. But if we take, for instance, Jane Austen, Mm. who is writing around the early 1800s. Yeah. We know that all of these really romantic relationships are built on an understanding of everyone's financial worth and how much you're going to bring into the relationship. That's true, but Jane Austen is also generally talking about higher class people. That's true. Like, what we're talking about here is a sex worker and a pirate. Okay, but, like... (laughs) Like, I don't think it's the same sort of equivalent. You don't, like, Xi Yang is not Elizabeth Bennet. (laughs) Granted, Xi Yang is not Elizabeth Bennet, but what about Thomas Hardy, then? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like, if you were in, if you're in utter squalor, then mm. yes, you have those passionate romances. But it sounds like both of these guys are doing reasonably well for themselves. I suppose so. Yeah. So, um, okay. they're in a position to sort of make that arrangement. Okay. So yeah. So maybe, maybe this just speaks of uh, Ji Yang's sort of stubbornness, almost. Yeah. Or. or... 
I, I, like I'm we've just... said she's got a head for her figures. Yeah. Like presumably, maybe even if she's going to get into a romantic relationship with somebody and be passionate and swept off her feet yeah. and all that kind of nonsense. Like maybe she's also still going to be like, hold up. Yeah. I'm going to make 50% of everything you do because I'm going to be on it. That does kind of make sense to be honest. Mm. Yeah. I think you can have both. I think, okay, I'll, I'll concede on this. I'll say you can have both. So not necessarily proof one way or the other yeah. that she was Zhang Yi's beard. Mm. But what we do know is that together they were the ultimate pirate power couple. Yes, that's what they want to hear. Yes. So you remember I was telling you that the fleets were fighting together for supremacy, essentially? Yeah. So with the combined forces of Zheng Yi and Ji Yang, mm-hmm. just as individuals coming together, they managed, rather than to defeat the other fleets, to combine them all into one confederacy of pirates. Yes! So Star Trek of them. I mean, very Star Trek. But also, like, it, le- it leads to an absolutely incredible feat, which is the, just the sheer scale of this pirate confederacy. Okay. So you mentioned earlier Blackbeard. Yeah. So Blackbeard had, at his height, about 30 ships. Okay, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. The confederacy had 400. (laughs) Oh my God, okay. (laughs) In fact, probably more than 400, and in total had about 70,000 men under arms. Sorry, 70,000? 70,000. 70,000. 70,000. Oh my god. Yep. Okay. Arranged in six fleets, which were denoted by different colours. Okay. And led by Zheng Yi and Mm -hmm. Zhi Yang, who were the commanders of the Red Flag Fleet. Nice. Which, I mean, you've got to admire the efficiency, if not the creativity, of the naming. Like, I... Uh, Yeah, like... No, this makes a load of sense to me. Like, the whole idea of colours being the way that you mm. find out which, like, who your army is and yeah. stuff like that. Well, is... It make, yeah, it makes sense if you're, like, if you're just running up a flag yeah. of just a single colour. Yeah. That's pretty visible. Being so... like, guys, over here. <laughs> oh, my God. So, at the moment, so, um, because of this whole coronavirus mess, there's this a lot. Coronavirus? I've not heard of that. <laughs> what is it? It's Should just... I be worried? <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> um, I'm from the past now. <laughs> so because of this whole coronavirus mess, like we have to organise the students a lot and walk them around the school. Mm. And the amount of time I spend with my hand up being like, children, over here. Maybe we need to get our own coloured flags and we can be like, okay. <laughs> You're like semaphore. <laughs> Eight set seven. We are part of the red flag. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Yeah, in fact, yes, teach the children piracy as well while you're at it. I mean... And actually, you know what? This is a good way to promote the learning of maths. Absolutely. <laughs> if you want to be a pirate, you need to be able to manage successfully <laughs> 70,000 men. Yes. What you need is not like strength or or just imposing your will. You need bureaucracy. And that's why they need to learn how to write in complete sentences. <laughs> yeah. So what we've got now is this enormous confederacy of pirates. Great. Who can spread out quite far and wide sure. and start making a hell of a lot of money. Nice. Especially because, as I say, the Qing dynasty did not exactly favour naval warfare. So they don't have an enormous fleet of ships to go after them. But they do have a lot of money that could be stolen. 
They by do. pirates. Yes. That Hurrah! Money, that money is dwindling, I will say at this point. Is that because the pirates are stealing it? Well, quite possibly. But there's other stuff going on that... Um, uh, let's just say this is not the only... Like, the present day is not the only time that there's been some dodginess between the Chinese and the Wagers. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. Okay, fine. Let's not talk about that. That's going to get yeah. too deep. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not going to go into that. Let's just go back to pirates. Pirates! <laughs> um, yeah, so by around 1804, uh, the Red Flag Fleet and the rest of the pirate confederacy mm-hmm. basically had a complete stranglehold on all shipping around China. Nice. Um, they extorted the salt trade which cool. was apparently right. very big around that area and they basically got them to pay protection money they also did so with villagers as well mm-hmm. and they were proper like old school mafia about it there were harsh penalties for anyone who attacked somewhere that was under the pirates protection okay sorry in my head I've got this like I'm trying I'm trying to think of combining the mafia voice with the pirate voice <laughs> you like... are you come to me on the day of my dawn <laughs> <laughs> oh god I, I know it was you for I know, I know it was you I know it was you Yahar <laughs> Yahar <laughs> I'll make him an offer he can't refuse 400 doubloons <laughs> Oh my god oh, Yes So now we get to a little sad point 1807 Just six years after they got married, mm-hmm. Zheng Yi dies. Oh. Possibly in an accident, falling overboard, possibly... <laughs> Sorry, falling overboard. That's it's quite a common death for pirates. I'm sure it was, but it sounds like one of those things where it's like, oh, he fell <laughs> overboard. He tripped and fell over my wooden leg. <laughs> yeah, so there were rumours that uh, Ji Yang had gotten in cahoots with Zheng Po, Ooh. who obviously is, as I say, now named as uh, Zheng Yi's heir, okay. uh, in order to kill him. There's not very much evidence of this. <laughs> uh, I don't think it would make much sense. I mean, uh, at, during these six years, Ji Yang and Zheng Yi did have two more children together. Okay. Um, but it didn't seem like at any point... Zheng Yi, like, was into anyone else but Zheng Po. Like, there was no question of them, of the other natural children getting, being named the heir. No, no, no. Zheng Po, all the way. Okay. Doesn't, okay. Doesn't that kind of suggest that Zheng Yi was not gay? No, not necessarily, I don't think. I mean, not 100% gay. Okay, yeah. If you're having children and you're not going to name them your heir, Mm. then, and like, you're 100% gay, then Mm. like, why do that? Like, that's just going to be awkward for everyone involved, isn't it? I mean, I suppose. But I, I mean, I'm sure we can find other examples from history of rulers or people like that who are probably gay Mm. who had children for the good of the realms or something. Oh, 100%. 100%. What I'm saying is, if you're at the point, though, where you're like, I don't care about my natural-born children, Zheng Po is going to be the one. Mm. And also, you're super happy with adopting, yeah. apparently, even if you are also banging the kids you adopt, which mm. is like... 
don't do yeah, that no it's it's all kind of messed up if you think about it too much yeah let's not or think even about a that. little bit <laughs> like you don't need to think about it that hard for it to be messed up to be honest yeah but like if if you're doing that then why would you why would you have sex with a woman in order to conceive more kids you see what i mean uh well that's why i think uh she's his beard it's sort of like okay this is not going to be an era where being gay is accepted. Okay. And what you you you're looking at me like you've just come up with the best idea ever. What if she had sex with somebody else? What if they were someone else's kids? I mean, yeah, that's also a possibility if they have an arrangement. I mean, it sounds like they do. Yeah, probably. Well, okay, we're speculating wildly. Here. I love to speculate I mean, I wildly. Do, I do too. I do too. I just I. I know it gets a bit awkward because we want to be historically accurate, but at the yeah. same time. What if she was having a massive affair? Yeah. Or several. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, that's going to get real awkward later on, but we'll get to that. All right. So we get to 1807, Zheng Yi, he's dead. Okay. And now there's a bit of a... <laughs> he tripped and fell on his own shears. <laughs> <laughs> so now there's a bit of a power vacuum because the uh, Zheng Yi was officially the leader of the Confederacy. Yeah. So now you've got the six fleets, each with their own individual commander, mm-hmm. who are all now vying for control of the entire Confederacy. Now, yeah. Zheng Po is, as I say, the commander of the Red Flag Fleet. But at this point, I think he's about uh, 21, 22. Like, he's in his early 20s. God damn. Yeah. I don't think I could command that fleet now, and I'm 28. Yeah. So I don't think anyone's kind of lining up to go, hey, Zheng Po, you were Zheng Yi's heir. Mm-hmm. How about you take over? <laughs> no, no, no. He's a better commander in terms of, like, actually captaining a ship oh, sure. than he is running a confederacy. But you know who is good at running a confederacy? Zhi Yang. <gasps> Madame Zheng, as she is now called. She's... She gets a lot of names during her life. Sure. I, I'm just sticking with these two. Now that we're kind of getting into this post Zheng Yi era. Sure. I will refer to her as Madame Zheng. It basically just means that she's the wife of Zheng. Sure. Cool. Um, but it does seem to be like what she was known as. Anyway, she goes to Zheng Po with a proposal, mm-hmm. which is that he should support her becoming the leader of the Confederacy. Makes sense. They also get into a relationship. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's super dodgy. Yeah, it really is. This is why I don't think the relationship between Zheng Yi and Zheng Po is as simple as, I like this boy, I'll make him my son. Yeah. I think there's something more going on there. Yeah. Because this is just, uh, it would just such a weird incestuous mess otherwise. (laughs) Okay, so here's my suggestion. Yeah. What if the kids are Zheng Po's? Oh. Right? Oh, that would be hella dodgy. I mean, it would be so (laughs) dodgy. Oh, interesting. Mm. What if there was like some kind of triad relationship going on there? So, not to to spoil it too much, but Zheng Po and uh, Madame Zheng stay together basically for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And they do actually have two children together. Oh. So, that would be interesting. I wonder if... Yeah. That, that, yeah. I, 
I mean, it makes the family tree all twisted up, but... Yeah. <laughs> but, like, what if they had already had a relationship going on? Yeah. Because he clearly doesn't mind getting married yeah. to a woman himself, so... I mean... How hot is Jung Po? I mean, he's Everyone's so hot. Everyone's after him. Even from when he's 15, it's like, oh my God, that's dodgy. But yeah, like... he's like a goddamn Jonas brother, I swear <laughs> to God. <laughs> so Jung Po does as he's instructed, basically, and he goes forward to the other uh, commanders of the fleets and says, hey, I am going to nominate my wife mum. <laughs> <laughs> wife mum, come forward. <laughs> <laughs> and then the wife mother approaches <laughs> with doom as her tread <laughs> this sounds like some sort of elder god thing something, oh, sure. some sort of lovecraft creation yep yog sothoth the wife mother <laughs> <laughs> okay great yeah um so the commanders at this point kind of see this as a bit of a good idea there isn't really that much resistance to it She's already got the support of Zheng Po. Mm-hmm. They know her as a capable leader. Yeah. And they respect her. So she is made the leader of this confederacy. Awesome. Yeah. Now, Madame Zheng made a few changes to the fleet. These were mostly in the forms of introducing much stricter laws to the pirates. <laughs> so- Goddamn women, am I right? <laughs> Coming in here, spoiling our good time. Well, it actually, it makes a lot of sense. So they had some laws in place about, like, not attacking places we pledged to defend or mm-hmm. protect or anything like that. I mean, that makes sense, because how are you going to get people to listen to you if you yeah. do that? And also some rules about sharing the loot and wealth between various ships. Okay. But she laid down very specific ways in which this must be done. Okay. So you are a ship in one of the fleets. Yay! Uh, congratulations. <laughs> Hooray, I am a ship. <laughs> what a beautiful keel you have. <laughs> oh my, thank you. <laughs> um, so, okay, you're one of these ships. You capture an enemy ship, uh, like a merchant vessel. Cool. You take all its plunder. Yeah. You don't then have that plunder. Oh. You hand it over to the purser, who is either on your ship or on, like, the next tier up, as it were. Okay. They, but my treasure. I know, don't worry, you haven't seen the last of it. Okay. It then gets divided up. The purser, like, assesses the worth of everything that you've taken. Mm-hmm. If it's coins, it's basically all taken and immediately put back into a fund to repair ships, to upgrade them, to do any work that needs to be done. Okay. Any other sort of treasures were divided up and 20% is given back directly to you. That's yours. You can do with that what you want. Oh, yay. And the rest is shared in common with the fleet. (laughs) Sounds like this red flag fleet is some (laughs) goddamn communists. (laughs) I mean, it basically is, but it worked really well because one of the problems with people like Blackbeard, Mm -hmm. like pirate crews like that, is if they had some bad luck Mm -hmm. if they didn't complete a job basically yeah if they got damaged in a lot of cases that was kind of it like they were done yeah that makes sense but with this they have like that nest egg basically Mm. and if your ship gets damaged if you don't manage to seize that merchant vessel while you were going after it it doesn't matter 
because that is not your sole livelihood. Mm. You have this common fund with everyone else. So your ship gets damaged. Mm -hmm. You can just patch it up. Sounds like communism to me. (laughs) If you ask me, these pirates should be pulling themselves up by their bootstraps. (laughs) Well, that's why you don't have the most successful pirate fleet of all time. (laughs) How do you know? I might secretly have the most powerful pirate (laughs) fleet of all time. You don't know that. I mean, if you did, I'd be really annoyed that you haven't told me about (laughs) it by now. Well, I don't have very much of the money because it all goes back into the fleet. Oh, of course, yeah. (laughs) Reinvesting it. (laughs) Um, So not just that, she also expanded their, basically, area of operations. They stopped just focusing on the salt trade. They, (laughs) They started attacking basically all merchant vessels, including... Opium. Oh. Which, oh yeah. I mean, we know that around this time, opium's becoming a pretty big thing in, yeah. in Britain as well. We're, we're getting up to opium war time, yeah, boys. Exactly. We'll briefly get into the opium wars before before the end of Madame Zheng's life. Nice. Um, so, uh, like I said, attacking more of these trading routes, going further into villages, traveling up rivers even, which is Ooh. quite dangerous because yeah. the ships were designed for the sea. And particularly, their major tactic was kind of hiding around the corners on coves and ambushing ships as they came out. <laughs> Why does that sound so adorable? I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, can't do that on rivers. So True. it was it was very dangerous for them to do. But okay. because they had this sort of... Uh, safety net. Oh, so they can do more dangerous stuff exactly. and get bigger rewards. Exactly. Nice. Okay. Um, in eighteen oh eight, the Chinese government basically goes, "We can't ignore these pirates anymore." I love the year after she takes over. Yeah, they're like, "Oh f- man." Yeah. yeah, basically, this is how crazy successful she was. Sure. The year after they. <laughs> They send out what vessels they have yep. to try and capture Madame Zheng. And in my head, these are all like those little rafts. And <laughs> no. They've got they've got oars. Not yet. At this point, they did have some military ships. Okay, cool. Like, they, they did have a navy. Did they have 400 ships, though? No. And they didn't have ships that were nearly as good or well-maintained as Madame Zheng's. Oh, man, that's so awkward. Yeah. So they were instantly destroyed. Yay! And Madame Zheng basically solidified her rule (laughs) over the seas. Nice. The Chinese government, after this, were forced to rely... If they wanted to have a navy, they relied on using fishing ships or merchant ships. Oh, no. And then just crewing them with soldiers because they didn't have any ships anymore. Oh, no. And they didn't have any way of really, like, making a large fleet because if you start making a fleet, it gets noticed by the ships that are going around the sea. Oh, my God. Okay. So this, like, this... I find this really interesting because, Mm. like, it's one of those things that happens a lot in medieval and early modern European history Yeah, that basically nobody has a navy. Mm. Like, no one's got a navy. Um, <laughs> except for England mm-hmm. and Venice. Ah. So there's a whole thing, like, for hundreds of years, if you wanted a fleet, yeah. you sent off to Venice and you paid them a lot <laughs> of money and they would build a fleet for you. Oh, I mean, well, they've cornered the market. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I'm kind of like, China, you need to have your own Venice. But I uh, granted, China's probably too big for that to work out. Yeah. 
But I, I also love, I love that everyone goes to Venice. No one goes to Britain because they know if you start involving Britain in your affairs, they oh. will not stop. <laughs> oh, Jesus, just don't do it. <laughs> oh, dear. So, the Chinese Navy has been completely destroyed. And this isn't just because the ships in Madame Zheng's fleet are better, mm -hmm. but also because her pirates were basically more disciplined. Yeah, okay. So, the, the common idea of pirates is, you know, rowdy and chaotic and yaharing all over the place. All kinds of rum. Yeah. Madame Zheng was very strict about enforcing her laws. And these laws included... Uh, obedience and codes of conduct. Okay. Anyone who disobeyed an order from a superior, the sentence was instantly beheading. Oh my god. Yeah. If you went ashore without being given permission, yeah. I don't think it was beheading, but I think it was your ears were cut off. I mean, you're part way there then, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, she also... I think this just kind of goes with the woman's perspective on things. Okay. Uh, she outlawed rape of female captives. Oh, uh, punish all right. Punishable by death. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she also outlawed consensual sex with female ca captives, punishable by death. Well, that makes a lot of sense. She outlawed infidelity. Oh. Punishable by death. Oh, Okay. You were allowed, as a pirate, yeah. to uh, get married to a female captive. Just as long as you didn't then cheat. And then you can have sex. <laughs> okay. That bit's interesting. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so I actually really like the fact that she made this a law that you can't have sex with a female captive. Yeah. Because as we all know, mm. rape is not just, you know, yes. violent, scary, piratey rape. Yeah. Um. So... Do you think maybe Madame Zheng recognised this? I mean, you've got to think as a as a woman who's worked either as a madam or as a mm -hmm. worker in a in a brothel, she's probably seen all sorts of shit, and she's like, "Men are scum." Yeah, <laughs> I need to make sure that they are kept under control. See, I'm not sure. Okay. So I think on the one hand, she may have recognised that, mm -hmm. but on the other, maybe it's about discipline on the ship mm. because. Like, granted, outlawing rape makes total sense. Yeah. Um, but then if you kind of go, okay, we've got these women on our ship and we've got a bunch of pirates. Yeah. Um, like, basically an all-male yeah. group. Um, and then one of the pirates is having sex with the oh, captives. Then the others are going to get, like, really jealous and aggy about yeah. it. So if you say, okay, you've got to get married, mm. then that means, okay, so this woman is now, like, part of your property according to the law of the time. Yeah. So then you can't get, like, super jealous and, and, and yeah, angry over that it. That makes a lot of sense then. Wow. No, I hadn't even considered that, but it, it really just, like, that is a perfectly viable reason for this. Thank you. And... God damn, Madame Zheng. I know. She's, she's really, through. really smart. Yeah. So she's not only smart, but very successful. Mm -hmm. A little bit too successful. Oh, no. During uh, one pirate raid, some pirates, we don't know who's, slew a provincial leader. Oh, no. And at this point, the Chinese government is like, we know we've being completely destroyed in terms of our <laughs> navy. Yeah. But we've got to do something. So they effectively... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like, should we do something? 
<laughs> we should do something. <laughs> they should do something, and they do. Yay! They basically put together a task force. Oh, yeah. Task and, Force Alpha, ready well, to take down the pirates. I mean, I suppose, but given... I mean, living in England, mm-hmm. seeing our government assemble task forces, mm-hmm. and it always just means, you know... A few people sitting around for a few months before nothing gets released. So they they assembled a think tank, is yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> okay, great. Well, no. I mean, in this case, they actually did something useful by entrusting this to a man by the name of Bai Ling. Okay. And Bai Ling was a kind of outside-the-box thinker. And Ooh. one of those things he wanted to do was he recognised that they had no ability to deal with the pirates at sea. Yeah. So he did what was kind of unthinkable at the time and outsourced it to foreign aid. Now, mm. this is this is a bit of a double-edged sword. Okay. Now, obviously, you need people coming in. And obviously, on the other hand, getting Westerners involved doesn't usually end well. Okay, so tell me, which nations? So primarily, it was actually the Portuguese. Okay. There were also uh, Thai people. Yeah. And the British. Uh, um. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say here, and, you know, no offence to the Portuguese, because I'm going to slam on the British so much. Yeah. But also, the Portuguese were, at this point, like, building up their massive empire, which oh, yeah. was super dodge. Yeah, they, so, they you- I think by this point, they had developed the first and indeed only Western province in China. Great. Um so yeah, they they were pretty expansionist. Oh sure, sure, definitely. Um, granted, so were we. Oh yes, um, severely. Like I have no idea about the Thai fleet. They can do what they like. Yeah. However, I'm also going to say, don't get the British involved in your sea war. Mm. But especially they... if opium's going to become a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, they kind of didn't really have much of a choice at this stage because their navy are some fishing ships. That's true, but couldn't couldn't they have bought a navy from someone? Possibly. It may even be that's what it meant when it said that he he sort of outsourced it, as it mm. were. Maybe he just bought the ships. Could be. They there. So we do know that at least some Portuguese sailors were involved. Okay. Because there's a particular incident in which uh, Madame Zheng's ship was actually ambushed Ooh. and was caught on a river. And what she and the few ships she had with her did was basically turn in the river and mm-hmm. connect themselves to each other. So they became a barrier. Okay. So the ships on the other side were out of range and couldn't sort of attack them. Yeah. They were waiting for the winds to change so right. that they could then sail away mm-hmm. on the other direction. Uh, this led to a number of different attacks going on. Uh, the the forces that Bai Ling had basically commanded sent fire ships, which are basically just ships full of explosives set on fire yeah. down towards them. <sighs> fire ships sound so exciting. Yeah. But there is a problem with fire ships, which always seems to happen in uh-huh. Chinese military history, <laughs> Okay, which is the wind changes <laughs> and the fire ships go back onto the original fleet, <laughs> allowing Madame Zheng and her ships to escape. Right. And they're not on fire? No, they're fine. Oh. They're nothing wrong with them whatsoever. <laughs> but it did highlight what was growing to be a problem with the Confederacy. Yeah. The Chinese government didn't need Bai Ling. They just needed to wait because 
political strife was emerging. Oh, no. When Madame Cheng's ships were captured, well, not captured, but, you know, in a sticky situation. Yeah. Oh, geez, that <laughs> that Madame Cheng, what, <laughs> what scrapes will she get herself into next? Well, they called for assistance from the other fleets. Okay. Uh, and the Black Flag fleet was contacted. Mm-hmm. And never turned up. <gasps> I know. Snakes. I know, those bastards. So Madame Zheng has just gotten out of this, like, barely, barely escaping by the skin of her teeth. Mm-hmm. And she puts her analytical brain to work once again mm-hmm. and kind of goes, you know what? I think we've done our best. We've reached, we've reached the top that we're going to reach and it's all downhill from here. Okay. No one else is really seeing this at this point. But she's starting to see the cracks and is like, we can quit while we're ahead. So she okay. arranges to meet with Bai Ling in order to discuss, possibly not surrender is the right word, mm. but they can come to an arrangement. She meets with Bai Ling and demands that she will stand down, yeah. stand down all her pirates, if they will be given amnesty They will have no charges brought against them. They can keep all the treasure that they've collected. Right. And she and her now husband, Zheng Po, can keep a personal fleet of 120 ships. Oh my God. They killed the provincial leader. Yeah. So Bai Ling is obviously like, no, you killed the provincial leader. And not just that, you've been pirates on this coast for ages. Yeah. We're not going to, no, we can't accept this. So Madame Zhang is like, all right, fine. Just sort of like backs away, gives a little signal out the window. Pirates swarm the south coast. <laughs> yes! And this is why it's important that they were still doing this while they were still very powerful. Mm. Because it was such an overwhelming display of force that Byling's like, all right, let's have a talk. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's discuss this. Okay. And Madame Zhang's like, I want amnesty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want no cr- no criminal charges brought against me or any of my pirates. Mm-hmm. Want to keep all the treasure, mm-hmm. and I want a crew of uh, a fleet of 120 ships, and I want us to get government bureau- bureaucratic jobs and military jobs and everything like that. Wow. And Bai Ling is like, oh no, I don't think I can do that. And Madame Zheng is like, you know, I I can I can call the pirates again. Do you <laughs> yeah. want them to come back? <laughs> do you want pirates? Because that's, that's how you, you get, get pirates. pirates. And Biling is like, okay, fine. There were some arrests. I think there were some who they basically couldn't get away completely free. Fair enough. Bearing in mind that at this point, we're talking about her fleet, her personal fleet, which was about 17,000 men. Uh-huh. Uh, only 17,000. Only 17,000. Jesus. And I think it was a few hundred if that were arrested. That's not bad. Uh, here we are. Yeah, her whole fleet. 17,318 pirates. Mm-hmm. 60 were banished. Right. 151 were exiled. And 126 were put to death. What's the difference between banishment and exile? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Cheers, ancient Chinese government in the 1700s. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there are some like accounts of this ambush and the the fire ships and everything like that mm-hmm. and the resultant discussions that are from the portuguese sailors perspectives Ooh, but they don't really mesh with the chinese version okay 
And later on, it's kind of seen that the Portuguese narrative is actually wrong. We're going with the Chinese one. Okay. Do we think they were, like, exoticizing things? I or... think a little bit, yeah. Okay. I mean, fair enough. If you've seen fire ships, you're probably like, Ooh. Yeah, and I think there's also <laughs> some problems in translation. Sure. But regardless, Bai Ling eventually accepts. Nice. And this is obviously quite smart because China doesn't have a navy and now they've got some incredibly skilled yeah. uh, people with their own ships. Yeah, who are now working for them. Yeah. Zheng Po becomes a military leader. Nice. And uh, Madame Zheng, she kind of decides to settle down a bit. She takes a bit of a step back from this bureaucratic administrative affairs everything sure, like that sure. and starts working in the salt trade because you know <laughs> yeah, she's got a lot of knowledge attacking salt ships <laughs> so she's got a good head for what to do with actually running them I mean this seems a bit like in the Discworld series Moist von Litvig who goes from being a bank uh, robber to yeah. managing banks I mean, it, and it's like just, yeah. just think of it the other way around it like. basically is that and it works pretty well cool alright so this remains the status quo until 1822, at which point Zheng Po dies. Uh, Madame Zheng mm-hmm. decides, you know, time to settle down properly. Yeah. They move to, uh, she and her family move to, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's Macau. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, which is part of the Portuguese provinces. Mm-hmm. And she opens a little gambling house. <laughs> oh my God, the woman doesn't quit. No, she doesn't. <laughs> oh, she's great. She'll run the gambling house until her death. This is like her last big business venture. Okay. And seems pretty successful. But she does have a few side gigs going on as well. In 1839, the first opium wars break out. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you, but I love a big old Chinese-British war <laughs> over getting real high. Yeah. So the Qing dynasty didn't really learn the lessons of the pirate confederacy and hadn't really super invested in a navy. Oh my God, guys, <laughs> get know. it together. You've just got this whole massive fleet, except for 120 ships. Yeah. Um, you've got all these military guys, like, use them and don't let the British get near your waters. Yeah. So they realise that they've kind of f***ed up here. And uh, in the early parts of this war, for about five years, Madame Zhang is actually called on to be a military advisor. Oh my God, okay. To try and help them deal with this situation. That is badass, I've got to say. She gets a bit fed up with the whole matter and she's getting a little bit tired, a little Mm -hmm. bit unwell. And eventually she returns home uh, to die in 1844, peacefully in bed, surrounded by her family. Lovely. Yeah. At the age of 69, which Not bad. for a pirate queen, mm-hmm. I think that's damn impressive. Especially because I think she was lying about being 26 in the first place. Well, this is why I said earlier, yeah. like, <laughs> if you say that she's 20 years older than that, <laughs> she would be 89, which would be crazy for a number of reasons. Yeah. But, in any yeah. case, not bad. Yeah. Not bad, Madame Zhang. So that is the tale of Madame Zhang, the most successful pirate ever. And I think what we can really learn from this story is that bureaucracy solves everything. <laughs> you remember back in the referendum mm-hmm. uh, here in the UK, the Brexit referendum, which huh, wasn't that a load of fun. Um, you remember when the uh, Vote Leave crew were talking about how the EU is full of red tape and bureaucracy and Brexit's going to cut through that? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. You know what bureaucracy does? Bureaucracy makes you the most successful pirates. You want to be good pirates? Be bureaucratic. And that's what we should be doing. We should unmoor England from uh, Britain. Let's go with the whole of Britain. I'll include Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland in that as well. Uh, we can unmoor them from, from the seabed mm-hmm. and turn us into a giant floating ship. We'll fill it with bureaucracy and piracy. Wonderful. I think I went on a bit of a tangent there. I'm quite tired. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was good. Um, So (laughs) I find this particularly funny because next episode, I'm going to be bringing you the story of some other pirates. Yahar! Who were much more Yahari. Yahar! And much less bureaucratic. And really not very successful. But they're still fun. This is why. You need bureaucracy. You do need bureaucracy. makes you a successful pirate. So the next time a kind of official looking person, maybe someone in a governmental position says, you know, oh, oh, we can simplify this. We don't need all this bureaucracy. You just think of Madame Jung and her f***ing amazing brain and how she dealt with everything, all with bureaucracy. And she had, I repeat, the most successful pirate fleet in history. Thank you very much for joining us on this episode of That Time When... Uh, thank you to Kevin McLeod for our theme tune, Anachronist, and any other music I've put in here. Unless I can find some other sort of piratey music, but who knows? I think we can steal the Pirates of the Caribbean song. I'm still nervous about fair use. I don't really know what it means. I mean, other podcasts have used the Pirates of the Caribbean song. I think we're okay. I know, but they're, they're more successful. <laughs> <laughs> We don't have we don't have Madame Jung's back of money. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. All right. So if you want to get in touch with us, maybe tell us about more pirates, then you can contact us at our Twitter account, which is that time when four. Or you can email us and email us any suggestions for episodes you might like uh, at ttwpod at gmail It's mostly full of spam from SoundCloud at the moment, so. Send in any suggestions you want. We'll have a look. If it works for an episode, we'll we'll do it. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Please send us ideas. Bye. <laughs>